This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. from Studio 6B on a Thursday night. Glad you're in. 8 p.m. on the East Coast. Real America's Voice. Getting fired up on a Thursday. Slick Rick's going to do some sports. Rick Delgado's going to do some news. Geo Fran holding it down as always. Lots to talk about. Mainly the Republican Party. The RNC. Talk about President Trump tonight as well, as many of you have all day to me. I, I don't think... You know, normally I'm the one who comes on here as I try to be uh, even-handed and talk about what I see. And I'm never never shaking the pom-poms for anybody, including President Trump. I'm a supporter, but I'm not a sycophant, uh, which has always been my complaint with some people who can never get their head out of the sand. Well, tonight, I, I, can, I don't have to say that today because the amount of um, correspondence I, I received from the audience today was like nothing I have experienced since I've been doing this show, I think. The direct messages, the emails, the comments on Facebook, the comments on other places were like nothing I had ever seen before. So I'm actually here to say, let's all take a deep breath. This is what I've always said. You can be the most fervent supporter of President Trump and you don't have to worship everything he does. He's gonna do things that you go, huh? And today's one of those days that you go, huh? And you say, whoever came up with this idea should be fired, thrown out of Mar-a-Lago, never be allowed within a uh, 50 feet of the place, again, without the Secret Service um, taking them down. And you just leave it at that. Now, the rest of the day is Trump at his best, uh, which we're going to spend more time on that part than we are on the uh, the Pokemon cards because I, I can't figure it out. So uh, I hear the message. I got you all. And so I'm, I'm, I'm tonight playing the reverse, like let's everybody just chalk it up to uh, whatever. And we'll, uh, we'll keep going because to give this the, well, again, whoever came up with this, we're going to go with major announcement. We're going to go the super, whoa, I can't explain it. That person should never be allowed anywhere near anything we're doing. he's doing uh, again, because it was, as bad an idea as you can come up with. And people going, people saying, oh, no, 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 you got it wrong. It was the other thing that was to <laughs> stop. Just please stop. I Get a grip. Put, I, I, put like the the drunk, uh, down. I like the drunk voice you threw in there with that with them too. <laughs> oh, because you saw it. I saw it all day long. By the way, not from this audience. I did not see it. But I saw it from I saw it other places. Oh, you got it wrong. It was the other thing. Uh, okay. Great. The first two words of the Pokemon cards release says major announcement. So stop. Just please stop. You don't, again, you can be the most fervent supporter of the president. You can support his policies. He's the most conservative president since Reagan. Best president we've had in my lifetime. 
all of that unequivocally. He's going to run again. We'll see the best of him again. We'll decide if we're supporting him again. But I'm on team win. I'm on team me. I'm on team whatever it takes to win in 24. If that's President Trump, I'm all in on President Trump. If it ends up that in the after the primaries, the American people think it's not whoever they think it is, then we're all in on that person, whatever it is. But I'm on team win and I'm on team me for 24. I'm not burying my head in the sand with the pom-poms that everything that comes out of his mouth and everything that he does is gonna be, whoa, look at this, because we know it's not. And if you live in that world, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. So what'd you think when you saw it, Delgado? And I don't wanna spend a lot of time on this. I wanna get to the important stuff he did today because he did some important stuff and some really good stuff. And I hear people complaining about that too. Oh, well, I got, I got oh. right online and started spending my money. I, I, got, I picked up a couple NASCAR Trumps. Uh, I'm still waiting to trade for a Pikachu Trump, which I think might be fun. No, I thought it was uh, completely ridiculous and silly, yeah. to okay. be honest with you. So, Greg, um, did you see it? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're entitled to our opinion. You know, I, I love the show. I love the audience. But, you know, not what I was expecting in this times. I wanted to see something <laughs> more, Big D. I yeah. was disappointed. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so we'll get to the important stuff that he did put out today. And I see people even complaining about that. And, of course, see, that's the problem. When you lead with the other thing. Right. Then the second thing, which actually is important, people go, yeah, well, uh, why are we playing catch up here? You could have done this when you're in there for four years. If you could do it so quickly the second time around, why didn't you do it the first time around? So, see, this is that's what you get when people are, are trying to figure out what the hell this first thing is. And then you drop this important stuff and then people criticize that on top of it. So we'll play the president's um, in its entirety, his announcement today, because I do think it's important. Now, maybe the argument is that it should have been done before. I mean, he was there for four years to do it, but we can, that's a, that's a, that's a good discussion, at least a, a reasonable discussion to have. But what he's laying out, there's no doubt, as is an excellent plan, an excellent plan um, that he laid out today. So we'll play those for you. We'll do some news. We'll do sports. We'll talk about the Republican Party. We'll get to the Getter chat. Uh, and I can still see already the comments about this thing this morning. And I, you can't disagree. <laughs> Lame. Whatever adjective you want to really put on was. it. Yeah, Sorry. you can put on it. Sorry. So just yeah. take a breath. We're going to move past it uh, and, and uh, get to the important stuff. So why don't we just play yeah. the president, G? Because th this is the important stuff. Cut one, roll it. If we don't have free speech, then we just don't have a free country. It's as simple as that. If this most fundamental right is allowed to perish, then the rest of our rights and liberties will topple just like dominoes one by one. They'll go down. That's why today I'm announcing my plan to shatter the left wing censorship regime and to reclaim the right to free speech for all Americans. And reclaim is a very important word in this case because they've taken it away. In recent True. weeks, bombshell reports have confirmed that a sinister group of deep state bureaucrats, Silicon Valley tyrants, left-wing activists, and depraved corporate news media have been conspiring to manipulate and silence the American people. They have collaborated to suppress vital information on everything from elections to public health. The censorship cartel must be dismantled and destroyed and it must happen immediately. And here's my plan. First, within hours of my inauguration, 
I will sign an executive order banning any federal department or agency from colluding with any organization, business, or person to censor, limit, categorize, or impede the lawful speech of American citizens. I will then ban federal money from being used to label domestic speech as mis- or disinformation. And I will begin the process of identifying and firing every federal bureaucrat who has engaged in domestic censorship, directly or indirectly, whether they are the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Health, Human Services, the FBI, the DOJ, no matter who they are. Second, I will order the Department of Justice to investigate all parties involved in the new online censorship regime which is absolutely destructive and terrible, and to aggressively prosecute any and all crimes identified. These include possible violations of federal civil rights law, campaign finance laws, federal election law, securities law, and antitrust laws, the Hatch Act, and a host of other potential criminal, civil, regulatory, and constitutional offenses. To assist in these efforts, I am urging House Republicans to immediately send preservation letters, and we have to do this right now, to the Biden administration, the Biden campaign, and every Silicon Valley tech giant, ordering them not to destroy evidence of censorship. Third, upon my inauguration as president, I will ask Congress to send a bill to my desk, revising Section 230, to get big online platforms out of censorship business. From now on, digital platforms should only qualify for immunity protection under Section 230 if they meet high standards of neutrality, transparency, fairness, and non-discrimination. We should require these platforms to increase their efforts to take down unlawful content such as child exploitation, and promoting terrorism while dramatically curtailing their power to arbitrarily restrict lawful speech. Fourth, we need to break up the entire toxic censorship industry that has arisen under the false guise of tackling so-called mis- and disinformation. The federal government should immediately stop funding all nonprofits and academic programs that support this authoritarian project. If any U.S. university is discovered to have engaged in censorship activities or election interferences in the past, such as flagging social media content for removal of blacklisting, those universities should lose federal research dollars and federal student loan support for a period of five years and maybe more. We should also enact new laws laying out clear criminal penalties for federal bureaucrats who partner with private entities to do an end run around the Constitution and deprive Americans of their first, fourth, and fifth amendment rights. In other words, deprive them of their vote. And once you lose those elections, and once you lose your borders like we have, you no longer have a country. Furthermore, to confront the problems of major platforms being infiltrated by legions of former deep staters and intelligence officials, there should be a seven-year calling-off period before any employee of the FBI, CIA, NSA, DNI, DHS, or DOD is allowed to take a job at a company possessing vast quantities of U.S. user data.
Fifth, the time has finally come for Congress to pass a digital Bill of Rights. This should include a right to digital due process. In other words, government officials should need a court order to take down online content, not send information requests such as the FBI was sending to Twitter. Furthermore, when users of big online platforms have their content or accounts removed, throttled, shadow banned, or otherwise restricted, no matter what name they use, they should have the right to be informed that it's happening, the right to a specific explanation of the reason why, and the right to a timely appeal. In addition, all users over the age of 18 should have the right to opt out of content moderation and curation entirely and receive an unmanipulated stream of information if they so choose. The fight for free speech is a matter of victory or death for America and for the survival of Western civilization itself. When I am president, this whole rotten system of censorship and information control will be ripped out of the system at large. There won't be anything left. By restoring free speech, we'll begin to reclaim our democracy and save our nation. Thank you, and God bless America. There you go. That's the Trump, that's, that's Trump on his A-game right there. That's, that's the Trump that we love. That's the Trump that can only, only deliver those kind of speeches. Those are the things we got used to, we got spoiled by. That's the Trump we want. Those kind of policies, back to that, America first. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm glad to see the president taking um, some inspiration in the lead out of what Elon Musk is doing, uh, because it's courageous what he's doing over there. And if, they, if that inspires the president to now take some of this and start formulating what he wants to do when he gets in there, then all, all, all the better. But that's Trump at his best right there. So that's good stuff. Pokemon thing. I have a major announcement this morning, tomorrow morning myself, by the way. <laughs> so you just have to wait. What time? <laughs> it's a picture of a turd. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Hi, live from Studio 6B on a Thursday night. We'll do some more on the president's free speech proposal. Um, we'll get to some other things tonight in the news. Did a video this morning about this report out of Red State and the RNC. If you needed any more reason to be calling for new leadership at the RNC, well, we got it this morning. As if 2018, 2020, 2022 weren't enough. Uh, so we'll go through some of that. But right now, let's do some sports. Sports is brought to you by our friend Mike Lindell and MyPillow, MyPillow.com. 
slash LFS6B. Use our code at checkout for 10 to 60% off. What's going on, Slick Rick? All right, Big D. In the sports world, NCAA men's basketball. Let's get right to some scores. Number 22, Wisconsin taking on Lehigh up 47-43. 10 minutes to go in the second half. And right now, uh, Chattanooga over at MTSU, 56-53. 13 to go in the second as well. And uh, McNeese in Louisiana just underway. 10 to 9 is the score there with McNeese up. And uh, is it final from earlier tonight? Presbyterian, 69-63 over Elon. Uh, NFL action tonight, Big D. Let's get into it. Game just underway. 49ers in Seattle playing the 12th man and the Seahawks. And uh, I'm going to take the uh, 49ers tonight, Big D. The spread is three and a half last I saw. I don't know if that's the spread you have. But we'll put that on odds makers tonight for three five. Three and a half, yep. Yep. All right. Okay. Yeah, give me the Niners at home I, on the road. I should say. I think they'll do well today, and we'll see how uh, how they do with Prudy. We'll see how the, how the team looks. We'll see. <laughs> but uh, I'm taking the Niners. All right. It's Thursday night football. A couple of NHL scores real quick. Flyers and Devils tied at one. Eleven minutes to go in the second. We have the Blues and Lightnings also tied at one. Thirteen to go in the second. Stars and Capitals. Predators and Jets. Uh, both uh, scoreless. One's in the second, and one and the other ones in the first. The Jets and Predators. And that's a wrap in the scores. And then just shooting over to the stories. Uh, sports books taps favorite to win World Cup final between France and Argentina. This is Chilina Goldman of Yardbarker. Upon France solidifying a 2-0 victory over Morocco in the World Cup semifinals, major sport books uh, picked their favorite to win it all on Sunday when Didier Deschamps men face off against Lionel Messi and Argentina. Um, after being faded in the listings ahead of the tournament, France is the favorite to win it all for a second favorite tournament, uh, according to Major DraftKings Sportsbook and MGM. So a team uh, hasn't won back-to-back World Cups since Brazil did so in 58 and 62. Long time ago. 50 years. And uh, However, France's dynamic and well-rounded offensive attack, led by Kylian Mbappe and Oliver Garoud appears to be built uh, to defy the odds. Speaking of Mbappe, he and Messi are uh, neck and neck in the World Cup Golden Boot Odds, the award which is given to the player who scores the most goals in the World Cup. So we got a big game Sunday, 10 a.m., appointment television, Big D, and uh, it's going to be France right now is minus 125, and Argentina is plus 100. That is the odds. So pretty close odds. I mean, it's not a runaway, and it should be a good game. Um, right now, I'm leaning towards France, but maybe we'll, we'll make a pick tomorrow. Well, no, no, you already... You already took France. Yeah, you already took France. What, do you what, what are you talking about? You're leaning towards. What do you mean? <laughs> All right, I took you already committed. I France. Yeah. I committed. You're, you're part yeah, French. You're, I, I found that committed. out last night. I am. No, I'm going with France. I told you, I am. I just, oh, you know, oh, I, I, I didn't get one. Yes. I'll take the pick. Right, he no took problem. the odds. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. All right, and uh, one more big D, and this is a good one here. You better watch out with this one. Golfer hospitalized with severe brain injuries after being attacked with a club. This is Warner Todd Houston of Breitbart. Yeah, a golfer in Memphis, Tennessee, was rushed to the hospital after being hit in the head with a club by another golfer who, and has reportedly suffered severe brain injuries. The Memphis police arrested Wesley Caldwell, 22, and charged him for striking Mark Coleman in the head with a golf club on December 3rd. A police report says playing, uh, uh, says that the victim had walked up to a hole Caldwell was playing to retrieve a pole at the links at Whiteland Golf, uh, golf Course, in New York, the New York Post reported. Uh, a police report says that the interruption spurred Caldwell to slam a club into the left side of Coleman's head as he tried to walk away from the argument. Coleman was taken to a hospital and has since been diagnosed with severe brain injuries from the attack. 
It's terrible. Wow. And Corbett was arrested on December 12th, charged with aggravated assault and released. Ready for this one? On a $5,000 bond. The victim's family has blasted the low bond as very unacceptable. And the NAACP has also demanded that the charges be upgraded from mere assault to attempted murder. Mark Coleman is reportedly a local organizer in the black community. So uh, regardless of the circumstances, that's absolutely insane crazy with, with the golf club's big thing. Unreal. So be careful out on the course. You might have to start wearing a should helmet. Be arrested, out there. Should be arrested for attempted murder. Yeah. 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 That'd be interesting. I'm going to be tracking that. But that just broke today. I just picked that up uh, on Breitbart. Breitbart's one of the only places you actually see a lot of these really good stories about this. The other, the other outlets don't even report on stuff like this. And that's a wrap in sports. Big D, back to you. All right, Slick. All right, Slick Rick, thanks. We'll do some more sports. Let's do some news. And again, sports was brought to you by MyPillow. Let's do some news. And here with that is Rick Delgado. Uh, news is brought to you by EarlyTreatmentMeds.com. What's going on? Ah, well, uh, one of our favorites in Congress, uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, this coming from Just the News on Thursday, balked at a question as to whether she would be serving a full two-year term in Congress after winning re-election just this past November. Um, the California Democrat uh, will lose the office of Speaker when the Republicans take control of the lower chamber in January. Her replacement is not yet clear, though current House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy still remains the front runner for the job. When asked questions, she said, what is this? What is this? Don't bother me with a question like that. She responded to the uh, reporter's query. Uh, Don't bother but- me. I'm going to answer <laughs> that. Don't you bother me with that crap. Pelosi, 82, has represented the San Francisco district in the House since 1987 as a handful of House speakers to hold that position twice. She, is, she, along with Joe Biden, have long attracted speculation about their political futures linked to their advanced ages. So, yeah, she's, uh, she's getting a little feisty in her old age there. People asking if she's going to be sticking around for the entire two years now that she won't be speaker, which is, you know, a fair question because, you know, sometimes sometimes these people look at it as well. You know, I'm just going to take my, my, my stuff and go home now because uh, I'm not top dog anymore. Maybe so. her and John Boehner can start a podcast together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's Boehner as they're unveiling her picture. He's there crying, crying like the perfect snapshot of the Republican Party, John Boehner. Yeah. They're with this hack politician from San Francisco. They're telling her what a big fan of her she is while she tries to ruin the country, her and her party. And there's John Boehner, former Speaker of the House for the Republicans, crying over it. Oh, God. Didn't he cry last time, too? When he became speaker, I think I remember him, he like broke down into tears as they gave him the gavel. He was like, he's like a blithering idiot. All the time. All the time. And he's there to salute Nancy Pelosi. Amazing. I mean, it's just, it's, it's like the perfect, you know, what's, what's the problem with the Republican Party? You just go that, that's <laughs> that, that right there. Right. That's between, the problem. That's between. our former speaker of the house crying over some hack politician from San Francisco uh, who's tried to ruin the country over the last uh, hundred years that she's been there, whatever the hell it is. Yeah, at the unveiling of her Hunter Biden painting. Big whoop. All right. Uh, Cheney and Kinzinger are among nine House Republicans. What a surprise. (laughs) 
Speaking of problems. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To break from the party and support the stop gap fending bill. I know you're going to be excited about this one, Damon. Uh, yeah, I have this story Republican... up in front of me. Yeah, yeah nine... I have this story. This is unbelievable. Yeah, nine House Republicans sided late Wednesday uh, with Democrats to vote in support of the stop gap fending, uh, funding bill to avert a government shutdown after GOP leadership recommended a no vote. The bill, which will fund the government for one more week, passed the House in a 224 to 201 vote before moving to the Senate. The nine Republicans, as no surprise, they might sound familiar. People like Liz Cheney, Adam mm-hmm. Kinzinger, sure. Jamie Butler out of Washington, Chris Jacobs out of New York, John Katko out of New York, Anthony Gonzalez out of Ohio, Fred Upton out of Michigan, Brian Fitzpatrick out of Pennsylvania, and Steve Womack out of Arkansas. This according to The Hill. Seven of the nine Republicans are leaving Congress after this term because they got voted out. So there you have it. Uh, yeah, there you go. There, I mean, that, that's, how it, that's, how you, that's how it operates. And now they've got the, 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 this is for like a week. And then that brings you right to basically the 23rd or the 24th when it's like, okay, we we got we we can't go to the Christmas holiday without the government shutting down. We got to pass this right now. We got to pass a year funding omnibus bill. Come on, we get, don't read it. You can't read it. We just got to do it right now, right now, right now, or you hate America. Right now, right now. That's what's gonna happen. And I'm Bill Rod with that. I'm gonna pass this bill. I'm okay with that. Come on. be on a Thursday night. Yeah, it's Thursday. Um, Slick Rick's doing sports. Rick Delgado's doing the news. Geo and Fran holding it down. As always, we were talking about this um, stopgap funding bill. And this is the way it always works. We're going to do a little stopgap funding bill to get us right to before Christmas. And then it'll be the full push for the um, omnibus bill backed by Mitch McConnell, and then um, it'll be rush, rush, rush. You'll have no idea what's going on. Your representatives won't have any idea what's going on, but we'll have to pass it on the 23rd or, God forbid, the 24th, because it's we everybody's got to go home, and you know, the government's going to shut down, and hell's going to freeze over, and you know how it goes. Everyone's going to die, and yeah. you know the oceans are going to rise, and all everything. And it's gonna, this is the way it always happens right around the holidays. Were you going to say something, Delgado? No, uh, just you know, it's that it's that whole sky is falling. You know, oh my God, if we don't do this, yeah, so many people are going to die. Cut Shut three, up. G. Here's somebody who uh, doesn't want to hear anything about any of this nonsense. Roll that. Like we're down here, basically in a fake debate. That's what we all know. I mean, the truth is, it's not like we have a body, the chamber filled here with human beings debating this $1.7 trillion while we're $32 trillion in debt. I would be happy to. Why don't we actually roll our sleeves up around these tables and do the work? But we don't do that. We're literally down here. We're going to do, what, 30 minutes aside if we even do that? Right? And then what? We're going to vote. We're going to vote on a rule that packages together, as I said, 
Deeming has passed a House bill on federal agency reporting goals with a House amendment to a previously passed Senate amendment to pass a $1.7 trillion omnibus combined with a CR for an extension for a week in a lame duck Congress. Like, that's the truth. The American people pull their hair out. They go, gosh, what on earth is happening in Washington? Well, I'll tell them what's happening in Washington. This. This is what is happening in Washington. We know what this is about. This is jamming through a bill at the 11th hour to get the political priorities of the current Democratic majority and a handful of Senate Republicans are happy to do it so they can get pork. The House and the Senate has requested a total of $16 billion for 7,500 earmarks. The top requester, Senator Richard Shelby, ranking member of Senate Appropriations with $656 million. This is a nice little send-off for the appropriators in the Senate. But the fact of the matter is the American people are the ones who get screwed in this deal. They're the ones who end up losing their country with $32 trillion in debt. There is no justification for ramping up spending an additional 10% for non-defense discretionary after all the money that's been spent under COVID and using the Defense Department as the backs upon which you're going to place the debt of our children and grandchildren and say that, oh yeah, we're doing this for defense. That is just wrong. At what point are we actually going to do the work of the American people in the people's house? At what point are we going to actually debate? At what point are we actually going to amend? At what point are we actually going to live within our means and stop writing checks we can't cash? The American people are staring at us, they throw their hands up in the air, and they wonder what has become of the country that their brothers and sisters and dads and moms and daughters and sons have fought for. Why do we stand in front of that flag? Why do we open in prayer? Why do we say the Pledge of Allegiance if we're going to rip apart the flag right here in this body, in this chamber? Because that's what we're doing. Using backroom deals, dropping these bills on the floor, and not allowing us to actually engage in debate over these important matters. Ladies and gentlemen, the American people are tired of spending money we don't have, and they're tired of open borders. They're tired of empowering bureaucrats like the FBI. They're tired of forced vaccine mandates to the Department of Defense. They're tired of an IRS harassing the American people, allegedly for more revenue. They're tired of an NIH and a CDC making it up as they go along and shutting down economies and jamming it down the throats of the American people. They're tired of an EPA and a Department of Interior restricting Americans' ability to have reliable energy. The American people are tired of it. I hope help is on the way. I'm glad the Republicans seem united against this in the House. And I'm looking at Mitch McConnell when I say this. Do your job, Leader McConnell. Do your job and follow the wishes of the American people who gave a majority to Republicans in the House of Representatives. And let's stop this bill. I yield back. I could stand up and clap. Yeah, if I could stand up and clap for that, I would. Amen. For that, Chip Roy. And good on him on the last part to direct it right towards McConnell. Good on him because that's where the blame goes. Now that um, that would that yeah. would be a speaker of the house, I think. Republicans and I mean that across the country, not not the ones in, in government, could get behind somebody who spoke like that, who defended and called them out to say, "Do your job the right way. Let's stop screwing the American people because we we all know it." And he's right. You know what? Uh, people are pulling their hair out. They're like, ah, it's Washington. And, and they get flustered and they get frustrated. They get angry. But what can they do? They feel so helpless. With somebody like that at least speaking up for them, 
You know, you feel like, hey, at least we got a shot here. At least we got somebody who's willing to uh, express, uh, you know, most of what we feel or how we feel. I mean, I, I, I don't think I've seen any house, you know, you got the Matt Gates and you got a few others in the house that, that do great job. But I think if you're looking for a leader, this guy, this guy reeks of leader. I don't know how you feel about that, but I, I just, it's almost like he's a, a, I would say he probably has a football background too. Who knows? I don't know. But he comes off that way of no nonsense. Let's cut the games. Here's what we need to do to win. And let's go do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And if there was a trading card for Chip Roy, I would buy it. Yeah, absolutely. Superhero. Sounded mm-hmm. like one there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for those feeling bad that the Republicans didn't win the Senate, you kind of now understand that. Um, the Democrats really already enjoyed the supermajority control of the chamber, including command of the GOP leader himself. That is the opening line from Daniel Horowitz's piece today on McConnell and what a traitorous act this is. He continues on and says every GOP Senate leader from McConnell on down has agreed to codify nearly every one of Biden's spending priorities and affirm every single unconstitutional, harmful, and tyrannical policy for the entire remainder of the fiscal year, thereby sabotaging the leverage of the incoming GOP House majority, all of which we've talked about. But here's the real problem, and this is the point that he gets to. This is the real problem. What is scary about the past couple weeks of the budgetary negotiations is that even as Republicans and Democrats disagreed, they really didn't. They agreed on about 99% of the budget and 100% of the policies. They merely fake jousted over about 26 billion in broad generalized spending out of $1.7 trillion budget. Essentially, both sides agreed to write the military a blank check of 858 billion for its woke and aimless policies. The only disagreement was that Republicans wanted to spend the same level as Biden on non-defense spending, which was $787 billion, while Democrats wanted to spend $813 billion. In other words, they were arguing over 1.5% of the discretionary spending budget. So how did they solve the impasse, you asked? Democrat Pat Leahy and Republican Richard Shelby, both senators who will no longer be in the chamber for the remainder of the fiscal year, announced they would drop an omnibus bill in the coming days while passing a seven-day stopgap bill so they can pass the omnibus bill, of course, next week. The top-line non-defense spending numbers will be somewhere in between 787 and 813 billion, but they're keeping them quiet so their members can't complain. This is the great suspense, folks, the exact decimal point of a spending increase. Republicans like Biden's budget budget top line, which is 8% above last year's levels for non-defense spending. Democrats wanted slightly more and they split the baby. This perfectly encapsulates the uniparty that we're stuck with. Here we have a government that is spying on the American people, criminalizing political opposition and free speech, mutilating our kids, funding pharma's biomedical security state on our bodies, working with the cartels to invade our country, handing over our inheritance to Ukraine, choking off our energy during an energy crisis. Republicans are just all the well content with all of that, and they're even fine with blocking Republicans in the House from dealing with these crises until next year. 
For example, our government is paying Pfizer yet another $2 billion for its COVID drug, for which there is no independent study show that it's safe or effective. As they're fighting over, what they're fighting over is a few billion dollars in extra general spending. When the malfeasance agencies being funded are already flush with cash, even under the Republican proposal. Hearings in the House can be meaningful if they serve as the hammer driving into the anvil of a budget deadline in which Republicans will defund the policies that are found to be harmful and unlawful in the hearings. Senate Republicans have taken that off the table for a full year. Just consider the border invasion alone. The Biden administration is preparing for up to 14,000 illegal aliens per day. Ugh. which is an annualized flow of 5.1 million. The president will have no budget bill hanging over his neck to keep him in check, zero. And we just played Chip Roy for you. This final bill will contain extra Ukraine funding because both sides agree to this insanity. McConnell said on Tuesday, unfortunately with merit, that continuing support for Ukraine is the popular mainstream view that stretches across the ideological spectrum. This is on top of the 60 billion, all without any oversight whatsoever, despite everything we now know about the money pit. This at a time when the public share of the debt is almost 100% of the GDP, up from just 35% of the GDP in 2007, when we thought George W. Bush was a big spender. Republicans balked at extra spending on COVID, but only because they felt they were existing accounts that were unspent, not because the COVID agenda is killing us and needs to be banned. Thus, the entire funding for this fiscal year and all the policies it encompasses were set in motion by a number of retiring senators led by Richard Shelby, the ranking Republican on the Appropriations Committee. Interestingly enough, Democrats only have a two-vote majority in the House due to recent vacancies. Yet nobody seems concerned that they will lose a single vote on a contentious issue like the omnibus. Why is it that only one side of the uniparty is always united? I mean, you just can't say it any better than that when it yeah. comes to this party. Yeah, and right? it's the backside of the uniparty. All these guys. Amazing. Amazing what they're willing to do just to make sure that they take care of themselves. I mean, just, you, couldn't ex you couldn't explain it to somebody who just landed here from another planet that you just voted. Republicans are about to take over the House, and the, and the same party is scrambling in the lame duck session to give the other party everything they want before they take over. You couldn't explain it to somebody. If you dropped them here from Mars... They'd say, get me out of here. Get me back over. I mean, <laughs> you, you couldn't explain it. All right, live from Studio 6B, more to do. Talk about the RNC. We'll do sports and news, though, first when we get back.
306B on a Thursday night. Real America's Voice, glad you're in. Make sure you follow us on all our social media. Make sure you follow Real America's Voice as well, Real AM Voice, on I think pretty much everything. We're at LFS6B on pretty much everything. Make sure you follow us over on Locals. Got to get more people to follow us at Locals, lfs6b.locals.com. It's free to follow us over there. You can also become a supporter of the show for a very, very small amount monthly. I think it's like $10. Uh, and it gets you the ability to chat privately with us, send us messages, comment on stuff, whatever, whatever. Lots of good stuff's going to happen over there. But uh, let's get the free numbers up. LFS6B.locals.com. Follow us over there. Uh, a lot of good content go going over there as well. And then obviously Facebook, Twitter, Getter, Truth Social, everything at LFS6B. Um, let's do some sports. Sports is brought to you by MyPillow, MyPillow.com slash LFS6B. What's going on, Slick Rick? All right, big deal. Let's get to some scores. Speaking of numbers, NBA action right now. Heat over the Rockets, 42-38, six and a half to go in the second quarter. The Grizzlies right now beating the Bucks, 40-22, to nine minutes to go in the second as well. Suns and Clippers tip off 10.30 p.m. out west in L.A. NHL action, Cowboy Don 10 on Getter. This one's for you. Bruins up two zip over the Kings. That's your Kings there, but they're trailing two nothing. End of two. I missed that earlier in the reports. Hurricanes three to one over the Kraken. End of two. And uh, Penguins two to one over the Panthers. That's also end of the second. And additionally, oh, in the second period, we got the Ducks over the Canadians two zip and Rangers in the Garden yeah. two to one hey, over the Maple Leafs. Hey, Rick. Slick Rick, can we add to your sports report that Big D's little uh, little B, my son, his team went to five and zero oh tonight. Oh wow, oh, nice. We had a game, right? That's why I'm at the home studio tonight because we had a game. I just got back before the show started. Five and zero, oh, beat the best team. We 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 were supposed to get blown out tonight from all the uh, reports from this team. They were the, I guess they were the number one team last year. Really? Congratulations! Oh, what man, team we, was that? We um. <laughs> Are you afraid know, to say remember. it? You don't want to say it? No, I can't remember. I can't remember the name. I can't remember who we pl just played. Must have been I a memorable say, game. Jeez. I wanted to say, I wanted to say Bolton, but no, I'm thinking of John Bolton because I don't like him. But I, 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 <laughs> Bolton. I can't remember who. But right. um, I don't know. I can't remember. All right, but anyways, on and on. They won okay. by four, they won by fourteen. Oh, wow, that's good. Good score. Yeah. Well, right now, the 49ers are winning by seven. Seven-nothing over the Seahawks. Two minutes to go in the first in Seattle. Uh, Seahawks are slip-sliding away, and the 49ers look like they're on their way. They could win the uh, NFC West Division, Big D. They'll clinch it if it would have went over the Seahawks tonight. So, I think they're going for blood, and I'm up seven-nothing. I'll take that, but, boy, it's early. You know football. And NCAA Bellport. men's— What's that? Uh, Delgado, Bellport. Oh, Bellport. Bellport. Okay. Yeah. okay. All right. Well, that's a good team. Yeah. Bellport's a real yeah, good we, team. We whooped up on them. Wow. They are whooped a number up. one. That's a good win. All yeah. right. NCAA men's basketball, Big D. Uh, right now, Chattanooga over MTSU, 75-65 with two minutes to go in the game. Uh, Louisiana over McNeese, 38-33, 32 seconds to go in the first half. Uh, Colorado beating North Alabama, 18-13. That's also in the first early on. Presbyterian over Elon, 69-33 earlier tonight. And Wisconsin Cream Lehigh, 78-56. That's a final as well. A couple of quick stories. I'll get these right now. Uh, well, Drew Brees brought on as Purdue assistant coach for the Citrus Bowl. Sam Cooper of Yahoo Sports. Rick Delgado tipped me off on this earlier. It's all over the news, Rick, because it was a good catch. Purdue has a bowl game to play as it transitions into a new era with a new coaching staff. And the program's most famous product is returning to West Lafayette to help those efforts. Purdue announced today that Drew Brees will serve as an assistant coach for the Boilermaker 
Lakers this month as they prepare to play LSU in the Citrus Bowl on January 2nd before his historic NFL career. Breeze was a star quarterback at Purdue way back in 97 to 2000. During that span, he led Purdue to a Rose Bowl as he became the school's all-time leading passer. Breeze will have an on-field role with the team during its bowl preparations, meaning he can have direct contact with players during practice and also participate in recruiting. Purdue is in the midst of a coaching transition right now with uh, Jeff Baum left for, for Louisville and the school finalized the uh, the hire of Ryan Walters this week. So, hey, good for Drew Brees to see him out there. Hopefully he'll do better there than he did in the booth. He's, gonna need a, uh, he's definitely going to need an on, uh, on-field position like, like playing quarterback. <laughs> yeah, they might. Who knows? I think he's still about, uh, able to suit up. I tell you, the Saints sure miss him. You can see, by the way, they're playing ball. No doubt about yeah. it. And, uh, well, I got a couple another story, Big D, but that's a wrap in sports. I'll give it back to you. We'll get to that a little bit later. All right, very good. Slick Rick, thanks very much. Let's do some news. And here with the news is Rick Delgado. What's going on, pal? All right. Well, this one coming from across the pond, and I, I probably should direct it more towards uh, towards Rick Rick's ancestral home. I'm talking about, yes. of course, no, not France, you jerk. <laughs> I'm talking about Italy. Uh, <laughs> drawing your attention to comments from Pope Francis okay. as he lamented the harrowing conditions of the people in Ukraine during his weekly general audience address and called on the attendees to spend less of their paychecks on gifts. Instead, he said more money should go to Ukraine. He said there is so much suffering in Ukraine, so much, so much. I would like to draw some attention to the coming Christmas, even the parties. It's nice to celebrate Christmas, to have parties, but let's lower the level of Christmas spending a bit, he said. Let's have a humbler Christmas with hum- more humble gifts. We should send what we save to the Ukrainian people who are in need, who suffer so much. Of course, at no point during the speech he explained how to get that money to the people of Ukraine, but that's, of course, the Pope. Um Maybe he was referring you should open up an FTX account and help him get the money. I don't know. But uh, so there you have it. The I, I wish we had a cool pope. We, we, the, I don't like the, I don't know how, how you guys feel about this pope. Not a big fan of this pope. I'll tell you that much. Nothing? All right. Moving on. How about Carrie Lake? Speaking of uh, one lake to another, uh, her litigation team will be propelled by testimony of multiple whistleblowers, a former Arizona GOP gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake said they, said that they have multiple whistleblowers in a lawsuit recently filed regarding the recent 2022 election. She announced on Friday, last Friday, that she had filed a lawsuit alleging that the total number of illegal votes was greater than her opponent's margin of victory. I believe the the amount of illegal votes that they've identified so far was over 200,000. The margin of victory was about 17,000. She says we've had three whistleblowers from Maricopa County themselves reach out and say the system is seriously flawed. She said on Monday's edition of Just the News, No Noise with John Solomon, they were throwing out tens of thousands of signatures saying there were scribbles and in no way matched, but somewhere between there and the ballots were being completely tossed out as well, and they got looped back into the system and counted as if they were fine. In the final Lake asserts that the number of illegal votes in Arizona's general election far outseeds the 17,117 vote margin. She says, we believe that up to 135 ballots were pushed through. That should not have been pushed through to begin with. We're asking a judge to let us take a look at all the envelopes and compare signatures so that we can find out for sure how many bad fraudulent votes got through the system and uh, basically cheating and breaking the rules. According to Lake, another issue that occurred was mysterious ballots showing up and no one knew where they came from. 
She said 25,000 additional ballots and early voting ballots were discovered two days after Election Day, and we don't know where they came from. These mysterious 25,000 ballots just kind of showed up. It shows that the system has serious flaws, and I think, uh, I think we can all agree with that, especially with uh, some of the shenanigans we've seen coming out of there from 2020 and in the most recent 2022 election. Last thing uh, there's I got. actually a good piece on um, Arizona. I may do uh, my morning video on it tomorrow morning. Um, Arizona 2022 midterm elections and election fraud ballot harvesting by Ron White in the American Thinker today. Um, it's a good, a kind of a good breakdown of why Arizona is like ground zero right now for obviously for ballot harvesting specifically. Um, and he merely makes the case. And again, you know, I, it's just hard for me. It's hard to read this and think that we're ever going to be able to do anything substantial about getting rid of it. If we don't learn how to play ball on this on this field, they're just, they're going to score all the touchdowns. I mean, they're just going to continue to score all the touchdowns. And I've said this a couple times, and I'll continue to say it. Go go try to make a case for 270 and for somebody in 2024, knowing what the rules are in Arizona, in Nevada in some of these other places and try to make a case for how a Republican gets to that. Um, if you don't start playing ball in Arizona and start ballot harvesting and doing the things in Nevada and there and other places that, that they're doing, they're going to continue to score all the touchdowns. All right, hour two coming up. Studio 6B, hour two on a Thursday night. Real America's Voice. Glad you're in. Lots to do. Crazy Town coming up. LOL of the day coming up. WTF of the day coming up. Lots of video to get to in hour two. And actually, before I get to my next story, we'll do some more. Let's do a couple other things on the omnibus here. And then we'll move on. Chip Roy was fantastic. Uh, let me hear cut four, G. Roll that. We're going to get an omnibus bill. Okay, in the next few days, we, we don't know how much money is going to be in it. We don't know what's going to be in it. We don't know what's going to be attached to it. Um, it's been reported that there's 7,500 earmarks in it. 7,500 earmarks, billions and billions of dollars. Do you think anybody can go back home and talk to their voters and say, I voted for a bill, I have no ideas in it? That's what we're going to be expected to do. I'm not going to do it. What we should do is exactly what Senator Lee said. Let's postpone this vote until the first quarter uh, to give given to give the house leader house republican leadership an opportunity to, to come up with a budget come up with a plan they've said that's what they would like they've been they've been clear that's what they would like they did not they're not participating in this um, in this omnibus process right now because they walked away from it because they can see it's not it's not good for this country this is not what you voted for you voted for a new congress you voted for new leadership in the House. 
as dysfunctional as they may even seem right now. They've got to get their own house, no pun intended, together before they take over the house. But still, this is not what you voted for. And Rick Scott is correct. You, this is supposed to be representative government, a constitutional republic where your leaders have an idea of what they're voting on and you have some say in the process where you can at least lobby them, talk to them, send letters, send emails, I object, I agree, I support, I don't support, something. And there's absolutely none of that going on because that's the way that Nancy Pelosi has played business. And she's always won because she's playing against weak people. And once again, this is what they're trying to do. And again, they couldn't do this if we just didn't have 10, I don't even want to call them rhinos because that's a doing a disservice to the name rhino. If they didn't have 10 senators who would play ball, they couldn't get this done. That's the scary part. One more, cut five, Senator Ron Johnson, G, roll that. I would ask the president, I would ask anybody listening uh, to these four speeches today, do you know how much the federal government spent last year? I've been asking that question of my colleagues. I've been asking that question of journalists here in Washington, D.C., people who report on uh, the dealings on the floor. And the vast majority cannot answer that question. So the question you ought to, all, all ought to be asking yourselves is, why can't you answer that question? It's not your fault. The reason nobody knows how much the federal government spent in total last year, virtually no one knows it, is we never talk about it. We are the largest financial entity in the world. And we never talk about how much we spend in total. We, we talk about little bits and pieces. We, we, we talk about six billion here, 76 billion there. No doubt, necessary funding for top priorities. But we don't spend the time talking about how we're mortgaging our children's future. Yeah. The federal government is becoming the biggest and the top everything. They're the biggest creditor, they're the biggest lender, the biggest landlord, the biggest, they're the, it's the biggest everything. They're the, they're, they're, they're just the, the this over bloated federal government leviathan that we continue to continue to see grow and half the country doesn't vote for it. Um, but unfortunately, half the country votes for people who um, are more interested in keeping their power, the uniparty playing ball than, than, than actually representing um, the people who put them there. They have no courage of their convictions. And once they're there, you know, doesn't really matter what you want. It's the same thing with the next story that I'm going to cover. It's the same thing. You put them there. They don't care how they spend your money. They don't care how you spend your money. No. I mean, if 2018, 2020, and 2022 weren't enough of a reason to look at the RNC leadership, just like if Mitch McConnell's history in the Senate wasn't enough to look at his leadership, that didn't work out. But if you look at Ron or Romney McDaniel, and you think that, okay, yeah, yeah, we just want to continue doing what we're doing at the RNC, I'm, I'm not really sure what to tell you. And if you had any questions left after this morning's report came out, 
I really don't know what to tell you because Red State had an exclusive this morning. Analysis of RNC spending since 2017 shows millions were spent on private jets, limousines, luxury retreats, Broadway shows. And they have a list in this article. And it you know, talks about Michael Steele back in 2010. Of course, now he's an MSNBC regular. <laughs> Again, just <laughs> John Boehner, Michael. Just think about people who have been in charge of the Republican Party and think about where they are now. He's a regular on MSNBC. Um, Boehner's crying over Pelosi. Paul Ryan's over there doing who knows what at Fox. This is to me, uh, hello? So they talk about Michael Steele, how he was heavily criticized and lost his position. No, not because he's a left-wing kook who was representing himself as a Republican back then, no. Because donors were angry about what they believed was luxurious spending on private jets, floor arrangements, chauffeur services, and member meetings in expensive tropical uh, paradises. Donors were used to frugality from the RNC under the George W. Bush administration when Karl Rove would bitch if there were flowers on the table and staff holidays were, weren't catered by Chick-fil-A. Despite Joe Biden's economy, the RNC's big spending days seem to be back with a vengeance. So here's some of the list of how they're spending your money. Luxury travel. This is in just 2021 and 2022. Luxury travel, there was 50 disbursements from the RNC um, coffers, totaling $1.364 million, with an average disbursement amount of 27284 Luxury travel. And by the way, that doesn't even include the private plane, because for private jets, there was 14 disbursements. Ooh totaling half a million bucks at an average disbursement amount of 36136 So they must have been flying on that G5 <laughs> to be spending 36 grand a flight. <clears throat> Floral arrangements, 279 disbursements, $321,000 on floral in 21-22. Who the hell are they sending flowers to? Home improvement and decor, 165,000. Entertainment, 75,000. 2,200 bucks a pop for 34 pops. Food and beverage, listen to this, Slick Rick. Uh, craft services are way better at the RNC than they are at Studio 6B, I'll tell you that. Why am I not Food surprised? and beverage, 129 <laughs> disbursements. Yeah, 65,419 for a total of 507. So that's 129 nights out of 365. That's well, a little less than half the year. So if half the year I got you guys craft services, I'd have to spend, according to the RNC, 65 grand to do it at 500. That must be caviar and lobster. That's, that's a lot of Chick-fil-A right there. Oof. Clothing retailers, 42 of those for 64 grand. Non-clothing retailers, 182 of those for 55 grand. Alcohol, 124 of those for 36,561. Now, here I'll give them a break. Uh, I think that's actually pretty good, 36 grand. Now, I was if say this that... was the Democratic tickets, if with Pelosi as a speaker, it'd be about a couple mil. Right. Because she, she drinks that on a good weekend. 
36 yeah, grand. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Wait, 36 grand. That's like that's like yeah. maybe a week at the speaker's house. So Plus some ice I'll cream. give them a break there. Spa and Cosmetics, 7,500. I don't know who they're using that on. Uh, I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> Vehicle and other mechanical expenses, 4,900. So for a grand wrapping total here of disbursements in the amount of $2.6 million in 20. And uh, 21-22. Now, that's not all. To determine how that compared with the rest of Ron and McDaniel's tenure, Red State examined RNC expenditures from 17 through 22. In addition to a review of federal election commission data, Red State spoke with current vendors, state party officials familiar with the workings, former staffers, and several current RNC members to verify numbers and dates. Most were only willing to discuss the matters, obviously, on background, uh, and all were promised anonymity to avoid, avoid potential retaliation. It's difficult to accurately categorize all the expenditures. 5000 spent in 2022 at Lululemon. I think I've spent that probably in the last week as my <laughs> wife shops for Christmas, so I, give, I can't, that's not, that doesn't seem outrageous. But that was classified as an office expense, as were two expenditures totaling 9300 at Madison Square Garden in 2017. So they must have gone to a Knicks game, like one. <laughs> and, um, and gotten two hot dogs instead of just one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not like this. That's not for like the season. That's either right. like one concert or like maybe one or maybe that's a weekend of Knicks games, 9300. Our review found that the amount spent during the 21-22 election cycle seemed to have been on par for the course and possibly even lower than previous portions of McDaniel's tenure. Since 2017, you ready for the grand totals? Here we go. Our RNC has spent 3.1 million on private jet services, 1.3 million on limousines and chauffeur services, 17.1 million on donor mementos, Three quarters of a million dollars on flowers, 80,000 in alcohol-related expenditures, nearly 400,000 on event tickets and other entertainment activities, including 30,000 for a private box at the Las Vegas Raiders game, 13,000 in Broadway tickets, 9,400 at Madison Square Garden, like we said, for the two Knicks games and a beer and a pretzel, 43,000 at, now listen to this one. <laughs> this is the one I couldn't believe. Forty-three grand at Top Golf locations. What? <laughs> oh, well, they're, they're expensive. Wow. <laughs> Maybe they're getting ready and, for the Rav Open. <laughs> in Texas, <laughs> Nevada, Virginia, and Maryland. Oof. Forty-three grand at Top Golf. Wow. According to a senior staffer, the private box Raiders game was part of a retreat for senior staff members. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they retreat away from the, the common folk into a luxury box. That's that's that retreat. Yeah. RNC funds were also used to fly the senior staffers and their plus ones first class to Las Vegas and for their hotel rooms, food, and alcohol for that Las Vegas Raiders trip. Oh. They also held a retreat at the Salamander Resort and Spa in Virginia in 2021 and 2022. Uh, 19th through the 21st of March, 30 senior staffers and their families attended that. And the RNC paid for the two speakers who showed up there to speak. And they have a nice little video of this place where they held it. So, And, there, and I got more. Your money, folks. Your money. I'm going to go work for the RNC now. Bye, Demi.
<laughs> Take me with you. Yes. Wasteful government spending. Well, sounds like there's a lot of wasteful spending going on at the RNC as well. Higher taxes. How do you protect your hard-earned savings? Well, the answer is gold. Gold is the world's oldest, most proven form of currency. It's therefore you when inflation soars. When other assets go sideways, well, assets only went down today. People getting worried about a recession. People are getting worried about recession. Some of the charts I have been telling you for months now, credit card usage way up, savings way down. And I hear these people, oh, yeah, the consumer's still strong. And I'm thinking, what are they looking at? Well, now people starting to get worried. That's why Birch Gold is so thrilled to introduce a new product that reimagines gold as a currency, the gold back. This month, you'll get a free gold back for every $5,000 purchase. When you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a precious metals IRA with Birch Gold by December 22nd, countdown's on, about seven days. Birch Gold to help you own gold and silver in a tax-sheltered account. Text America to 989898. Claim your free information kit on gold. Then talk to one of their precious metal specialists. Plus, with every purchase you make before December 22nd, you'll get a free gold back. Makes a great stocking stuffer just in time for Christmas. Once again, text America to 989898. Protect your savings with gold and do it today. All right, 19 past the hour. Oh, play the blues, baby. Play the blues. <laughs> uh, 19 past the hour live from Studio 6B. Uh, before we get to sports, let me just finish off on this RNC thing. So there's there's more information in here about what they spent on. Vineyard Vines, Foot Joy, Ralph Lauren, Carhartt, Smathers and Branson, whatever the hell that is. Um, <laughs> embroidered jackets for RNC staffers. Quite uh, $17 million on donor mementos. During McDaniel's tenure, custom pins by DC jeweler Ann Hand, Christmas ornaments from someplace called Shamart, Shamart or something, the company that makes the White House Christmas ornaments. Uh, 65,000 in office supplies from Ann Hand, 28,000 for Shamart or Shamart, 100,000 in hair makeup services. I'm really baffled on that one. <laughs> Because <laughs> nobody looks good. Oh. <laughs> they all look like they all. I mean, yeah, they all look like a mess. They're not uh, exactly wearing Joseph Abood suits for the. And, and I don't, <laughs> McDaniel always looks like. I mean, <laughs> looks more like a bod. <laughs> I mean, if they had told me they spent that in a loan to to um, Pelosi for her uh, Botox, then I would have believed it. But I mean, or maybe for like so, neck reduction surgery for Mitch. Yeah. So. A couple other things I want to get to before we wrap this thing up. John Rich has got a great quote in here. Of course, John Rich, who's about to open Old Glory Bank and has done pretty well for himself, knows a thing or two about donations, I'm sure, um, and money. He says, the leadership of the RNC has taken advantage of millions of regular everyday conservatives by pretending to support what patriots support, but in reality are blowing untold troves of cash on extravagant nonsense. By the way, you could have put the period right after blowing. And supporting rhino candidates while ignoring America first contenders. They are nothing more than controlled opposition. 
The RNC ran ads in 2021 raising money under the phrase fight for Trump while simultaneously telling Trump and his team to stand down from questioning the election results, stating he was ruining the party, quote unquote. The RNC has betrayed its supporters. And I, for one, will never help them raise another red cent until the Judas elements of the organization have been purged. Can't say it better than that. So here's an update. This is the last part of this. So Emma Vaughn, who's an RNC employee, reached out to Red State after this was printed and basically said, a client of Harmeet Dillon, who's obviously running for RNC chair, decided to publish this hit piece in the middle of the night without making any serious attempt to engage with the RNC or Chairwoman McDaniel's team. This post is as blatantly false as the lie she has been spreading that RNC members are being bribed for their votes. If critics want to misrepresent and push false narratives about the RNC's spending, now listen to the last part here. They should do the math and realize that this only adds up to 0.8% of the total amount the chairwoman raised. But she's not denying that the expenditures are correct. (laughs) (laughs) So her excuse is, hey, do the math, dummy. It only adds up to 0.8% of what we raised. Right. In other words, we could have spent a whole lot more, but we didn't. You should be happy. Now you sound like a leftist. Emma Vaughn. Sound like some, that's something a leftist would say. Hey, it's only 0.8. She didn't come out and say, that's not correct. None of these numbers are true. We right. didn't spend money on this. We didn't spend money on that. We're, 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 we're hey, trying to make the best deals. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's her, that's their response. Um, Harmy Dillon went on with Benny Johnson. Cut six, G. Roll that. I wonder uh, if you could get your takeaway of the fiduciary obligations of the RNC to their donors and more importantly to the people who give them power, which is the average day-to-day Republican voter. Turns out that Ronna Romney McDaniel spent $3 million on private jets, $1.5 million on limos, $17 million on mementos. I don't know what that means. $17 million probably would have won a couple Senate races uh, in Nevada and Arizona. Over, almost a million bucks on flowers and almost a million bucks on booze. Um, would, a, uh, would a chairwoman Dylan um, be spending this kind of cash on such leftist luxury eccentricities? Well, Benny, so, so no, of course not. I, I don't think it's appropriate to spend other people's money that way. How you choose to spend your own money, of course, is an entirely different story. And so let me step back by saying that some of us at the RNC have known about some of these issues for for years. In fact, we had a contested treasurer's race two years ago at the RNC. My good friend Casey Crosby uh, has been running for that, and now she's running again. And so she brought up some of the issues of staff spending, open bar tabs at Bullfeathers and things like that. But that was minuscule compared to what I saw in the story yesterday. I mean, I had no idea about the $17 million in gifts to donors. We're trying to get gifts from donors and donors don't need tchotchkes. I'm a donor. I don't need stuff, you know, from I, I need to be seeing us win elections. And that's what donors want, too. I was speaking to some donors yesterday, some major donors who stopped giving to the party during our current chair's tenure. And I mean, small and large donors, they're fed up. We're not seeing the results. That's the bottom line is, you know, Rana's spokesperson while attacking me for bringing up these issues yesterday said, what's the big deal? It's less than 1% of our spending. That's the wrong approach. That's the wrong attitude. It's every dollar that we raise 
be it from the small dollar donors who we harangue with these abusive emails and text messages to the billion dollar donors, they need to be respected and their money needs to be used for the goal of, of electing Republicans. $17 million on knickknacks could have affected the outcome of at least two Senate races. It could have affected the outcome of a dozen congressional races. It could have made the difference in ground game to help elect some of the governorships that we lost in the last election cycle, where we support federal candidates and then that ground game effort helps others. It could have helped us innovate in the apps that we need to use to, to, to cure ballots, to chase ballots, and on and on and on. And I mean, we're not even cracking the cracking the issue of, we claim to raise a lot of money, but our spending overhead is extremely high. When you're talking about, I think I saw in the story that the Democrats spent like a thousand bucks on flowers. We spent about $800,000 on flowers. Again, donors don't need to see, you know, Imelda Marcos level flower arrangements in order to open up their checkbooks. In fact, my approach would be bare bones, you know, hey, can I come get your check and then, you know, call an Uber, not a black limousine, and go to my next meeting. I mean, a friend of mine was saying, to, you know, Harmeet, why are good. you efficient? Well, you get, I build you, by you the- You get the idea. Yeah. You get the idea. And, and again, this is the amazing thing. Now, this came out, I think, this morning on Red State, so I don't, I don't know if it's going to have any effect. But if you, all, the, all of the accounts say that she has the vote sewn up. All of the accounts, and I, I mean, I don't know enough about it to, to, to disprove those or to say that they're false, but every account you read says that all of her people have rounded up the votes for her to serve another term in this position. Right. But that was weeks ago. Things have changed. And maybe this is part of that change. Well, I, don't, I don't know that they have changed. As far as the vote count, have you seen that they've changed? I haven't seen that she doesn't have the votes anymore. All right, we'll talk about this when we get back. Thursday night, 30 minutes past the hour. Let's do some sports and hear what sports is. Slick Rick at Slick Rick Sports, sponsored by Mike Lindell and MyPillow, MyPillow.com. Use our code LFS6B at checkout for 10 to 60% off. What's going on, Slick Rick? All right, let's get an update on that Thursday night football game. Big D out in Seattle with the Seahawks and 49ers. Right now, the 49ers lead 7-3. to Seahawks had added a late field goal and is about a minute 48 to go in the uh, second quarter. So we'll keep an eye on that right now. Slick Rick laying 3.5 with the Niners and covering by a half a point. Uh, so that we'll keep an eye. We'll have an update on that. And let's get to the NHL. Big night, busy night. Twelve games in action. Bruins two to one over the Kings in the third. The Hurricanes three two over the Kraken in the, also in the third. Um, these games were all in the third actually. Uh, Penguins three to two over the Panthers. Ducks over the Canadians three two. Rangers in the Garden up three to one over the Maple Leafs. Flyers two to one over the Devils out in Jersey. Uh, Lightning over the Blue Jackets three to one. Stars over the Caps 
two to one. Predators and Jets tied at one. That's in the second. Golden Knights and Blackhawks, one zip in Chicago. Golden Knights lead, end of one period. The Sabres over the Avalanche, two zip, 11 minutes to go in the first. And the Blues, I like the Blues, and the Oilers are playing. Tied at one, nine minutes to go in the first period. NCAA men's basketball, North Alabama trailing Colorado at the half, 42 to 28. And uh, Louisiana over McNeese, 60 to 57, seven and a half to go in the second. And I gave you the finals on the other games already. A couple of quick stories. How about this one? NCAA announces Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker as next president. Adam Rittenberg of ESPN. The NCAA has selected Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker as its next president, succeeding Mark Emeritt. Baker, a Republican who has been a governor since January of 2015, but will conclude his second term in January, will begin his new post March 1st. He played power forward for Harvard's basketball team during the 77-78 season, but had no previous collegiate administrative experience. He has spent most of his career in Massachusetts state government, uh, but spent a decade in healthcare administration. The 66-year-old Baker holds degrees from both Harvard and Northwestern. Um, in April, Emmert announced he would be stepping down. And, uh, well, this is the situation. Baker will be coming in. He says he feels he thinks it's worth doing. Uh, it's, a big and, it's big and complicated, the NCAA. But uh, so we have not, uh, we have a lot of things I've done in my life. Most of the time, they were absolutely worth doing. So I know a lot of people have mixed feelings on Baker. Not a lot of people are crazy about him. But he's going to be moving on. He's out as governor and in as NCAA president. they got a lot going on now. You know, they changed changing the, the, uh, the, the conferences, how they're aligning. you got the whole NFT situation now going on in college football as well. So we'll definitely uh, see how that goes. But they're making a change of hands and wanted to get that in as a report, Big D. And uh, just a real quick one. Uh, we, had, we haven't talked about tennis in a while, but Iga Svitek and Rafael Nadal honored as ITF world champions. Iga Svitek and Rafael Nadal were honored by the International Tennis Federation as its 2022 ITF world champions earlier today after each claimed two grand slam titles this season. Nadal, obviously one of the all-time greats. And Iga Svitek, the 22-year-old, she's exceptional too. She's making her moves. So anyway, that's the scoop in Sports Big D. Back to you. All right, so Greg, very good. We'll do some more sports before we wrap it up. So I just got notified not too long ago, I forgot to mention this in the last segment, that we're not going to be on tomorrow night. Oh. Because um, Rav is doing a special on the T Turning Point event in Arizona. Um, which I'm sure is going to be fantastic, uh, but we don't. That means we don't have an odds makers tomorrow, Slick Rick. I, just, I saw I whip just something thought. together for the last segment, Big D. I'll, I'll pick, make okay. some picks. Okay, so they have this Amp Fest for Turning Point USA, and they're going to be covering that all weekend. Starts tomorrow afternoon, I guess. So there's no LFS six B tomorrow night. So we're going to have to either do odds makers tonight or just take a pass on the weekend. And again, I'm sorry I'm l rushing you, but I literally just found out as we're sitting here. So I'm working on uh, it. Think about what you want to do there. Okay. Yeah. So, so Rick, back to McDaniel. Yeah. So you said mm. things have changed. So yeah. let me just let me give you my my thing here, and then you can tell me what you got. So the American Spectator has a piece today to follow up on that report that of all the expenditures. And um, they say the only way to stop McDaniel at this point is for all state GOPs to call for her to withdraw. And the, uh, the author here, George Neumreyer, says, for all the accounts that I've read about the race for Republican National Committee chair, it makes it sound as though McDaniel is sure to win another term. Every article I've seen and people I've spoken to think that her flunkies at the RNC have rounded up the votes necessary to guarantee her victory. Well, I have no reason to question that assumption as of now, but I wonder 
if the state GOPs across the country, following the lead of their brethren in Arizona and Texas, could force McDaniel out of the race before that vote. After all, can she really lead the party if Republicans across the country have repudiated her leadership? Three losing election cycles, flaky comments and contradiction to the party's platform. She sent out gay pride month tweets at the beginning of the Biden presidency, thereby paving the way for the recent democratic gay marriage triumph that passed with substantial GOP support. Uh, can we have somebody like that running the GOP effectively and in a manner consistent with the party's philosophy, which is clearly not her strength? So what do you have? Uh, what I have is remember, she got those votes immediately after the November midterm election. That was weeks ago. And when I say things have changed, I mean things on the ground have changed. Other people have stepped forward. You, 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 all of a sudden, about a week or so after they said, well, she's got the votes, Lee Zeldin put his name up. Or people started bandying about his name. Then Mike Lindell, we started hearing about him. And then Harmeet Dillon started hearing about her. And you had all these other people now start to kind of, hey, push about and be like, look, she, you know, let's, let's rethink this. Let's, let's, let's slow, slow down just a little bit here. Because they're also pointing out her weaknesses. They're pointing out the losses, which are substantial under her watch. And now with this list coming out, I think they're sowing the seeds of, uh, I don't even know when the vote is supposed to happen. I don't know if there's enough time, but I think that they're, they're, they're disrupting it enough that now they're starting to, there's starting to be some grumbling where people are like, you know what? You're kind of right. Thanks for pointing that out. Didn't realize that. Didn't look at it like that. Um, and then you follow it up with that piece where you just had right there where she's sending out gay tweets and all this other stuff. It's it, it goes against, you know, it's that whole thing count, counting their chickens before they're hatched. Um, and I think maybe that was... That nothing, was uh, as much as I agree with what you're saying, nothing in what you're saying shows that she's lost the vote. And here's the key part well, that you haven't included. The RNC members who vote for this mostly agree with not only her platform, but the Democratic platform. That's the problem. It's the uniparty that's voting for her. It's not the Rand Paul and, and Rubio and um, Ted Cruz, and they can go get a bunch of their Freedom Caucus. You know, the people who vote for this, pretty much on board. Well, that's why I pointed to that article that you just read, that it, it takes those people across those different states to start to now push their weight around. Because, again, you can have the votes three weeks ago, but as we've seen, the Democrats, <laughs> somehow they always, things always change. You can, the Republican can have all the votes they need to win, and all of a sudden, three days later, poof, all those votes are gone. They end up somewhere else. Um, so who's to say this is not going to happen here? Who's to say tides are not going to change? Again, I don't know when this different date is. Different kind of vote. When different they're gonna, kind of vote. Excuse me. Different kind. Different kind of vote. It's no, not I understand that. Kind that of but, vote. but but I'm saying I don't know when the when the date is. When when are they going to take this vote? I don't know. Is there enough time to sow enough discontent with enough people to say you know what? Uh, I think I think it's best you probably not run. I don't know. Hopefully hopefully that'll be the case. As the author says here, uh, can anyone seriously imagine the Democrats entrusting their party to a political operative who would oppose abortion or gay marriage? That would never happen because the Democrats are not the stupid party. The GOP is, and there's nothing stupider than choosing leaders who reject your platform and support Democratic positions. This isn't a very complicated point. GOP leaders across the country should act on it 
by having their state parties formally call for McDaniel to withdraw from the RNC race. Again, this might be the only way to prevent her from getting a third term as chair uh, that is sure to be as ineffective as the previous two have been. McDaniel has the vote of the RNC members, most of whom do not support the GOP platform. Uh, and they ha she has that vote sewn up. Her challengers are too obscure and unconnected within that craven world of donors and, and, and strategists to have any chance of winning. California lawyer Harmeet Dillon can only win if McDaniel is forced to quit the race by a widespread rejection of her within the state GOPs across the country. Well, then that's what they have to focus on. There, it's just been laid out. Now, you know, Harmeet and anybody else who wants to run and anybody else who thinks that uh, Ronna McDaniel needs to be replaced, there's your roadmap. Go to it. If you don't want her, get it done. How long is Crazy Town, G? Oh, it's two. I got two it. Minutes. Let's do it right now. Crazy Town, roll it, G. We're about at the end. You must be still exhausted from uh, having not caught up on your sleep. But uh, Back to the summit. I was huh? going to say good afternoon. It's almost good evening. And I want to thank you for... <laughs> Thank you for joining me. I understand several flights had to leave, and uh, I'm surprised you all didn't use that excuse. Um, I'm only kidding. This year alone, the United States has committed nearly $11 billion in humanitarian and food insecurity assistance, food security assistance, assistance to deal with food insecurity. And this afternoon, I'm announcing an additional $2 billion in humanitarian assistance to address a few of acute food insecurity in Africa. We've helped lift over 23 million people above the poverty, poverty line around poverty the world. <laughs> and the largest expansion of that, that help has gone <laughs> even above the property. Go, if the latest expansion will go even further. And we need you. So there's a grave President problem. Saul, every leader around this room, I hope we're making it clear today and every no, day, it's not. not just showing the will, but doing the work. Let me close with this. A few days ago, President Saul was asked what's, what success <laughs> what, what, what? at the summit would look like. <laughs> Mr. President, I recall you saying that the United States must show, quote, the will to work with Africans. Success will show the will to work with Africans. And I believe that's on a concrete, sustainable solution that we are all committed to in the United States. So this afternoon, I want to listen and thank you for being part of what so far has been a useful conference. <laughs> so useful. Very useful. Ugh. Useful. Talk about uh, useless. Man. Have we ever gotten a, have we ever gotten two crazy towns out of one event, G? <laughs> it was a two-day event. Oh, 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 okay. It was a two-day no, event. That, that so wasn't God. leftovers. Yeah, I thought it was, maybe that's what hit the cutting room floor yesterday, and this was day two of the same event. No, he was standing yesterday. He's been I there so I long. I to watch he, one of those. He had to sit down. Good old one-a-day Biden. Right. <laughs> now, we didn't – there was some video of him floating around carrying Christmas gifts, walking around a room like a mental patient that just escaped, like, the uh, whatever. And, I mean, literally, people are walking around them 
and no one is paying attention to him. Is that video real? Yeah, Do we know? Does anybody it. know? I've seen, You've it, seen yeah. it. Yeah. We had it, an LOL where they did, uh, he had like kids with gifts in right. the White House. I don't know if it was from that event, but and we he still never got, used he it. He still got lost. He had no idea where he was supposed to go. I saw it and thought it was fake. I'm like, there's no way. I guess not. LOL, the day coming up when we get back right after this. B on a Thursday night. Um, just seeing some social media on Tucker's opening dialogue monologue tonight. He said, today we spoke to someone who had access to the still hidden JFK files and is deeply familiar with their contents. We asked this person directly, did the CIA have a hand in the murder of John F. Kennedy? Here's his reply. The answer is yes. I believe they were involved. Wow. Maybe not a surprise to most people, but I think that's still a wow. Yeah, they released 13,000 pages of stuff today, and it's all available individually as PDF files if you want to go read it. Okay. All right. Well, since we just learned we're not going to be on tomorrow night, no LFS6B. You'll have um, coverage of um, AmpFest, TPUSA, Charlie Kirk, and they'll be out there in Arizona. It's time to do now the Odds Makers for Week 15, starring Slick Rick, Rick Amarate. Right, get the good luck, Here we go, college football. We're now into the bowl games. We've got bowl games on Saturday. We've got week 15 of the NFL on Sunday. Let's go to Saturday's bowl game. Where are we starting? At 2.30, we're going to start with Cincinnati and Louisville. The Wasabi Bowl. Wasabi. I'm going to go with Cincinnati plus two. Wait, wait, that that game's 11 a.m. I show that game at 11 a.m. Oh, 11, all right. Well, maybe I'm I'm, I'm in London. Okay, let's go. Wasabi Bowl. That's my games. Give me Cincinnati. And I, I see that as the Fenway Bowl. Oh, I got the side. No? Okay. Uh, Either way, who do you have? Kimmel Bowl. Who do you have? I got Cincinnati. All right, Cincinnati plus two. Yes. Over Louisville. All right, what's game number two? Game number two, SMU and BYU. That's Saturday night at 730. That's the New that Mexico Bowl. That is the New Bowl. Mexico Bowl, correct. Yes. SMU yeah. minus four and a half. That's it. Give me the Mustangs. I'm taking the four and a uh, minus four and a half. SMU. SMU minus four and a half over BYU is college bowl game number two. What's bowl game number three, Slick Rick? Frisco Bowl, North Texas and Boise State. I'm going to take North Texas getting ten and a half is what I have. All right. The Frisco Bowl, ten and a half it is. You're taking North Texas plus ten and a half over Boise State as game number three. What's bowl game number four? Okay, sounds like the U.S. Treasury is going to need this one, the Lending Tree Bowl, and I'm going to take <laughs> Southern Miss and Rice. I'll take Southern Miss, and Southern Miss is laying six and a half points. Big D. All right, we're back to 5:45 p.m. We got to do these in time order. Southern Miss Listen. minus six and a half over Rice. <laughs> is college bowl game number four. All right, All right, Slick Rick, very good. Those are your four college picks. We will post those 
Let's go to week 15 in the NFL. Where are we going for game number right. one? Uh, program note. I put these together quickly. So <laughs> NFL picks. Oh, we'll do them in program time order. Note. You can't tell time? <laughs> I can tell time. But D, come on. All right. It's how I wrote them down. Colts at the Vikings. 1 p.m. We got Saturday football. Triple header. I'm just taking two of those games that I like. I'm going to go with the Colts at Vikings. You know what? I think Minnesota makes big noise in this stadium, and they're going to win that one. Give me the Vikings laying the four at home on Saturday. All right, Minnesota minus four over Indy is game number one in the pros. What's game number two? Okay, Saturday night, 8-15. Dolphins at the Bills. Good one, but I think the Dolphins, as usual, they're going to shrink up. It's going to be cold. Give me the Bills. They look good. It's their time. They want to they clinch that East division. I'm going to take the Bills, and I'm going to lay the seven. I think they're going to win by more than a touchdown. I see Josh Allen having a big night. Bills right, minus Buffalo. seven. Minus seven is game number two over the Dolphins. Where are we going for game number three, Slick Rick? We're going to Sunday, 1 p.m. My Dallas Cowboys. I'm putting the money on the boys. They're taking the Jaguars. Everybody's like, oh, the Jaguars. Listen, they're not that far removed from the team that they wore just a season ago. And I'm going to go with the Cowboys. Laying four on the road. Give me the boys. Ooh, Slick Rick (laughs) putting his Sunday temperament and his Sunday meal. And everything on the line, Dallas minus four over Jacksonville is game number three. What's game number four? That's going to be the Sunday night game. I always pick prime time, ready for some football. Giants at the Commanders, 8.20 p.m. kickoff. Big game. This is almost really could be for a wild card spot, Rick. And I'm going to take Rick's Giants. I'm going to, I'm going to take Rick's oh. Giants. And they, they're getting four and a half, Big D. So give me the yes, Giants on the road. Rick's, Rick's saying, oh, my God, I jinxed them. Oh. I'm taking them. Oh. They're going to they're right. do it. Oh. They're going to lose by three. Don't four. worry. <laughs> Giants plus four and a half <laughs> over Washington. Both teams oh. seven, five, and one going into week 15. Uh, all right, Slick Rick, there it is. Your odds makers for a week 15 with Slick Rick, Rick Amarati. Five each. Okay, five each. Got it. All right, very good, Slick Rick. Uh, anything else in sports you want to tell us before we do our LOL of the day? Uh, no, I want to let it go. We, you know, I, uh, Patrick Mahomes bought a pickleball team today. I don't think that's a big story. <laughs> but I got to say, we got to look into this pickleball big thing. It's becoming the rage. The professional teams, and uh, we have to start having pickleball reports every night. Yeah, it really is. My yes. wife got asked to uh, be on a pickleball team tonight at a, a luncheon she was at. Wow. With a bunch of mothers who started a pickleball team. It's less running. It's uh, just like tennis. She tried, she, she tried to tell me about it. I just, I just walked away. <laughs> I just, I, I just, I, please, come on, stop. You don't like pickles, but, yeah. You always take them off your sandwich. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he needs more room for meat. Yeah. yeah. That's All right, Slick Rick. Hey, you're up 14-3 in the San Fran game, so you're looking good there. All right, um, before we do some more news, let's do the LOL of the day, G, because this one will give you a good laugh. Roll it. Okay, so now that the midterms are over, I know you probably get asked this a lot, but we have to ask, what's next for you? How likely are you to run for office again? I may run again, but I've always (laughs) said that it's not about the title, it's about the work. I may run again. She's got to find. They got to find something for her to win. What? Right? Is there anything she can win? I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe a Nathan's hot dog eating contest. She that, won the LOL. Oh no! See, see, that's just gratuitous. What? That's just no, easy. Uh, I'm just trying to find a competition <laughs> for her. Anything. That's just the easy shot. Right, how about pickleball? Although. although I don't know. Gee, I can't get it back in focus. I don't know. The Stacey Abrams thing messed me up. So 
<laughs> uh, let's let no, do some news, Rick, here before Roger we wrap it up, camera. and I'll try to. I'll try to fix my camera. <laughs> All right. Well, here's an interesting story. I don't know if you caught this, but the New York Times is getting mocked, uh, and why shouldn't they, for naming John Fetterman among the year's most stylish people. I'll say that again. We John just did Fetterman. the LOL of the day. <laughs> among the most stylish people, New York Times on Monday declared incoming U.S. Senator uh, John Fetterman one of the uh, its 93 most stylish people of 2022, prompting backlash against the paper from social media. I mean, come uh, on. Yeah. That's ridiculous. They did it for attention. The news outlet fetted Fetterman, whose usual attire on the campaign trail involved a hoodie, basketball shorts, and sneakers, as a lawmaker who's going to bring Carhartt to the Capitol. Uh, Total liberal bias, said one uh, Republican lawmaker named Tim Burchett, jokingly on Twitter. I not only have the best, he says, I not only have the best hair, but I brought Carhartt to the Capitol Hill four years ago. Um, hey, Carhartt was in the um, was in the RNC expenditure, so maybe yeah. he could, if he talks to McDaniel, if she wins again, they could, you know, she can maybe give him a little loan for a new uh, wardrobe. Yeah, exactly. Sheridan Nolan, a staffer for the Republican Texas Governor Greg Abbott, said on Twitter, how does New York Times justify putting Fetterman on the same list as the late Queen Elizabeth? And, uh, yeah, it, it's amazing when you see some of the pictures that are featured in this. 2020, 20, uh, the year 2022 is the year of the goblin mode, they say. Dress up like a slob and make it onto New York Times' list of the most stylish people. That coming from journalist Ian Mileshang. So there you have it. Just a little something to uh, usher you on to your way for the evening. A little John Fetterman news of being, he's so stylish. It's nice to know I'm now at the peak of style. So. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's it. Cal Patty says Fester Necks <laughs> are in this year. Carhartt went woke. Best dressed cyborg, maybe, Mama Love says of Fetterman. So the audience is uh, weighing in as well with, with what is just a ridiculous. I mean, come on. Yeah. Meanwhile, we had the most beautiful first lady in the world. She, she, no one would pay any attention no. to her. She got attacked left and right. And uh, now the one we have, they think uh, she's gorgeous. Meanwhile, she looks like she's wearing my old uh, couch from when I was in college every day. As always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines. Thanks, everybody on the show. Thanks, Chief. Thanks, Fran. Most of all, thank you, the live from Studio 6B audience. We will not see you tomorrow night. Big special, Turning Point USA in Arizona. We'll see you on Monday, 8 p.m., live from Studio 6B.